Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. This ain't your abuelita's financial advice. I'm your host, Janice Torres Rodriguez, and I'm here to help you tackle grown woman business when it comes to all things dinero. We're going to talk about how to make it, keep it, and grow it. On that note, vamos. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice, and today we are doing session two of the YQD masterclass all about the stock market, how it works, how you make money, how you lose money, what it even means to be invested in the stock market. We're going to talk about all of that, and I don't think there is a more appropriate time to talk about this given the current situation going on on Wall Street and in the greater economy. If you're like me, you're probably looking around while you're quarantined in your house and thinking to yourself, holy fucking shit, what a week. And I'm pretty sure most people would agree. This week has been one for the books. Not only is the world dealing with a global pandemic in the form of coronavirus, but the associated economic impacts of that virus have sent the stock market down the drain. And so I think it's important for us to discuss what the hell we're doing when we talk about investing in the stock market, what it means, so that you can understand what's actually happening. You know, a lot of times people become investors by accident You know, you sign it for a 401k or you sign it for an IRA, you start putting money in there 
and you're thinking to yourself, all right, cool, my money's going to grow, we're going to be fine. But just like all things, the economy is cyclical and there are high points and low points. And we are potentially entering another recession at this point. Now, if you're not old enough to remember the Great Recession of 2008, it was a doozy. I'm not going to lie. I'm really not looking forward to any recession talk because that shit was real. I lived through that. I actually graduated from college in May of 2007. And about, you know, less than a year later, the economy collapsed, essentially. I think it was closer to six months after I graduated. And there were lots of people losing their jobs. Gas was like $4 a gallon. The housing market crashed. So people's homes were worth nothing compared to what they had originally paid for them, especially if they had bought them uh, between the years of like 2004 and 2007. And it was just a really scary time. So anytime I hear the word recession, I automatically go back to that time. But, you know, you have to remind yourself that if you learned lessons from that time, you're in a better place now. You're probably making more money. You're probably saving more money. You're spending down, you're, you're paying down your debts and you're making better decisions with money. So don't panic. That's message number one. This is not going to be the only recession that you experience if it actually gets to that point. So it's just important to understand how to deal with your money, you know, given this, the current situation. So before we get into the specifics about the stock market, I just want to answer a couple of questions that I've been getting on Instagram about how your financial plans should change or shift given the current uncertainty in the market and in the economy itself. So when you're facing uncertainty when it comes to your job, um, which a lot of people are, you know, there's so many industries that are impacted by the closures of parks, theme parks, airlines, you know, reducing flights, cruise lines are stopping their voyages. There's a lot of impact across many different industries. So if you're facing a potential job loss or a furlough, I think the first thing you need to do is if you are aggressively paying down debt, now might be the time to backtrack on that a little bit and just pay your minimums so that you stay current and save that extra money that you were putting towards debt repayment towards your emergency fund if your emergency fund is not adequately funded. And you know, if things end up not proceeding towards recession and this kind of just becomes a small blip, then that money that you set aside in your emergency fund can be funneled towards your debt repayment later. But I just think that right now is the time to just make sure that you're good right now. You know, your debts will be there. You can deal with them when you're in a more stable situation. Also, investing. A lot of people are like, oh my gosh, like what's going on with the stock market? Should I even be putting money or is that basically like setting it on fire? And that's a really personal decision. I can't tell you whether or not you should be investing. You need to know based on your own situation 
what makes the most sense. I would say if your debts are low or you know at zero at this point, if your emergency fund is healthy, and if you're okay with kind of locking this money up for at least five years, at least, because again, remember, investing is a long-term game. It is not something that you're doing to get rich quick unless you're a day trader. And if you're a day trader, I can't even begin to give you advice on how to pick investments. So if you're in a good place financially where you're managing your debt or your debt has been eliminated, your money's good from an emergency fund standpoint, then yeah, go ahead and invest, you know? Do whatever you feel comfortable doing. It it is really down to just you assessing your personal situation and understanding what exactly it is that you're investing in before you know, you start making really big decisions with money. The most important thing I think anybody can do right now is just stay calm and just prepare yourself as much as possible. You know, there's nothing you can do about what's happening right now. The coronavirus is going to go where it's going to go. The economy is going to go where it's going to go. There's so many factors that you just can't even control about this situation that there's, it's just pointless putting any kind of stress or effort towards trying to understand like why is this happening. The only thing that you can do is to regulate your emotions and be honest with yourself about how you feel. If you're watching the news 24-7 and you feel anxiety building, stop watching that shit. Go take a break. Take your dog for a walk. Go outside, do some meditation. You know, like we can't obsess over these things because like I said, you can't control them. You can only control how you react. So focus on what you can control. Be mindful about what's happening around you and make a plan. That's the best you can do. So with that out of the way, let's get into this discussion about the stock market because that has been in the headlines all week and it's important to understand what's actually happening so that when you're seeing the decline in your accounts you're understanding that it's more than just that number that is in your account there's way more going on so the first thing stocks are traded on exchanges which is a place where buyers and sellers meet and decide on a price So when I say exchange, I mean like the New York Stock Exchange, which is probably the most famous. You know, the NASDAQ is also an exchange and there are a million others. So one of the things that is important to understand is that some exchanges are physical locations where transactions are carried out on the trading floor. That is like the New York Stock Exchange. Like you can actually go there. You can see the trading floor, you know, you've seen like pictures and videos where traders are like wildly throwing their hands in the air, they're screaming, they're signaling at each other. And then there are virtual exchanges, which are networks of computers where trades are made electronically. So the purpose of the stock market is to facilitate the exchange of securities between buyers and sellers. So that means that's the place where you 
you know, you go to buy stock. Um, the purpose of a stock market is to actually reduce the risk of investing. So think about how difficult it would be to sell shares if you had to call around your neighborhood trying to find a buyer, right? Um, that would be really ridiculous. So you can really think about the stock market like a farmer's market, right? And they're linking up people that are selling things and people that are buying things. Now, there are two main ways that you make money on the stock market. One is obviously when you buy a stock for a company and its value increases just based on its profitability. You know, they're doing great. People want it. They love it. You know, think about a company like Amazon, you know, Jeff Bezos starting his company in a freaking garage and now like the stock, you know, is worth close to $2,000 a share. So that's main, you know, one of the main ways that you make money just by having something that increases in value. And then there's something called dividends. So a company also has the option of basically sharing their profits with their stockholders. So essentially what would happen is, you know, a company would look at its balance sheets every quarter. If they had a really great quarter, then they could decide we're going to pay dividends to our stockholders. And then you would get a quarterly payment uh, deposited in your investment account. Uh, whatever is associated with you know that that company and how much dividends they actually pay. Now, not every company pays dividends, and dividends are actually something that are at a company's discretion. You know, there's people that look to actively invest in companies that pay dividends just because you know it's pretty much like a steady source of income. But it's also up to the companies to decide if they're going to pay based on you know their earnings. If they end up having a really bad quarter and there's not a lot to show for that quarter when it comes to earnings. They could decide, you know, we're not paying dividends this quarter. And so while it's a great way to supplement your income, it's not a guarantee that companies that are currently paying dividends will continue to do so. So what actually causes stock prices to change? Stock prices change every day by market forces. What that means is that the share prices change because of supply and demand. If more people want to buy a stock, then sell it, then the price goes up. You know, it's just like anything. The harder it is to find an, uh, anything you're looking for, the more likely you'll have to pay more for it. A great example right now is the fact that freaking toilet paper is like a hot commodity, right? Nobody can find it. Hand sanitizer, people are going fucking nuts. So... There are people that are like stockpiling this stuff and then they're selling it for ridiculous prices. The same thing can actually happen with stocks. So obviously it's just based on supply and demand. Now, if more people wanted to sell a stock than buy it, there would be a bigger supply than demand and then the price falls. So understanding that concept of supply and demand is easy. Now, what's difficult to understand is what makes people like a particular stock and dislike another. And this basically comes down to figuring out what news is positive for a company and what news is negative. There are so many answers to this problem and just about any investor that you ask has their own idea and strategies about how to gauge, you know, what a company could potentially earn in the future and how stable their business is. All of that stuff goes into play. 
That being said, the basic principle around why prices move on a stock, it's based on what investors feel a company is worth. So it's important to understand you cannot equate a company's value with the stock price. The value of a company is known as market capitalization, which is the price of the stock times the number of shares that exist. So for example, a company that trades at $100 per share and has a million shares outstanding has less value than a company that trades at $50 but has 5 million shares outstanding. Because obviously, 100 times a million equals 100 million, while 50 times 5 million equals 250 million. So to complicate things even more, because, you know, why not? The price of a stock does not only reflect a company's current value, it also reflects the growth that investors expect in the future. The most important factor that affects the value of a company is its earnings. Earnings are the profits that a company makes, and in the long run, no company can survive without them, right? So it makes sense when you think about it. If a company never makes money, they're not going to stay in business. Now, public companies are required to report their earnings four times a year or once each quarter, and Wall Street watches this like a rabid dogs. This is known as earnings season. The reason behind this is that analysts base their future value of a company on their... Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Earnings projections. 
If a company's results surprise people and they're better than expected, the price jumps up. But if the company's results disappoint or are worse than expected, then the price will fall. Of course, it's not just earnings that change the sentiment towards the stock, which in turn will change its price. It would be a rather simple world if that was the case. So, for example, during the dot-com bubble of the early 2000s, dozens of internet companies rose to have market capitalizations in the billions of dollars without even making a small profit. So these companies were trading at prices that were way higher than their earnings justified. And essentially what happened is, you know, a lot of these companies ended up going bankrupt because, you know, at some point people realized they're not actually worth what anybody's paying for them. And that was known as the dot-com bust. So, you know, to wrap this up, why stock prices change? I mean, honestly, the best answer is nobody really knows for sure. Some people think it's just, you know, it's not possible to predict how stocks will change in price. While some people think that, you know, drawing charts and looking at past price movements, that you can determine when to buy and sell. The only thing that I can guarantee you is that stocks are volatile and can change in price extremely rapidly, as we saw this week. Okay, so the most important thing to grasp about this subject is at the most fundamental level, supply and demand in the market determine stock price. And price times the number of shares outstanding, which is known as market capitalization, is the value of a company. Comparing just the share price between two companies is absolutely meaningless. Theoretical earnings are what affects investors' valuation of a company, but there are so many other factors that investors use to predict stock price. It's based on investor sentiments, attitudes, and expectations that ultimately affect stock prices. A great example of that is what's currently going on with the airline and the cruise industry. Their stocks have tanked 60-70% because people you know, that are investing in, in the market are assuming that with everything that's going on and this instability of, uh, you know, jobs and whatnot, people are not going to go on vacation. And then with all the travel restrictions going on in order to contain the coronavirus, people aren't flying. So that's why at this point, people are really spooked about how much earnings potential and how strong these airline and cruise ship companies are because, you know, there's just not a whole lot of demand for their services right now. So, you know, again, there's so many theories to try to explain the way stocks prices move the way that they do. But unfortunately, there is no one theory that can explain everything. So if you're looking at your investment accounts and you're just like, how the fuck did my value drop, you know, 15, 20 percent in a week? So what you have to understand about an investment account, it is not like a bank account. So it's not like, you know, you go to TD Bank or Bank of America and put like $1,000 in your checking account and boom, that's it. The money that you're putting in your investment account is invested in the form of stocks, probably for the most part, if you're young. And what those stocks actually represent is a share 
in the ownership of a company, right? So it's pretty much like you're buying a house, right? So the stock itself represents a claim on the company's assets or earnings. So as you acquire more stock, your ownership stake in the company becomes bigger, okay? So imagine, right? You buy a house for $100,000. Everything's great. You're gravy. You're living in it. The economy changes. That house, because of the neighborhood, because of the actual structure of the house, maybe you haven't updated it in 20 years, now it's only worth $75,000, right? That's what people are willing to pay for it. So essentially what is happening in the market is that investors or owners of these shares are reassessing what they believe these companies are worth. And as a result, maybe they feel like, you know, if I'm talking about hotel stocks right now, I'm not comfortable with it. I don't think people are going to travel. I think people are going to lose their jobs. So I think that that means that their earnings are going to be lower. Maybe some hotel chains are going to go bankrupt. So I'm going to sell my stock right now while the prices are high because I just don't know what's going to happen in the future. That's literally what's happening. But it's happening across so many industries. It's happening in the energy sector because oil prices are tanking due to a trade war between Russia and Saudi Arabia. It's happening because of the coronavirus, because there are so many industries that are being shut down and affected by what's happening. You know, we're talking about sports. We're talking about entertainment. Movies are shutting down production, TV shows. You know, I mean, the list goes on and on. Airlines, hotels, cruise lines, etc., There's so many sectors of the economy that are being impacted that people are shook. You know, it's like, shit, where do I where do I feel safe investing at this point? Because there's so much going on. So that's exactly what you're seeing in the markets. Just people are spooked. They're afraid that the situation that we've been in for the past, you know, 12 years of a bull market, it's over. And I think, you know, it probably makes sense, you know, just given the fact of what's going on. So, you know, it's just important to understand that you don't own less in your investment account because the money, you know, that number is going down. What's happening is that what you do own is worth less, right? It's worth less than what you paid for it. Now, the way that people lose money in the stock market it's by selling during one of these panic moments, right? So if you're like a lot of people, you're looking at your account and you're saying to yourself, holy shit, this money that I thought I had, it's not there anymore. I got to sell before this even gets worse. And that's pretty much the worst thing you can do. Why? If you bought a stock at $100 a share and you sold it at 50, you lost half of your money off the bat, right? So it's the same concept with the house. If you bought your house for $100,000 and somebody offered to buy it for $75,000, unless you're in a desperate situation where you just you're going to take whatever you can get just because maybe you need to move or you know, you got a job transfer and you just got to get the hell out of there, unless you have a reason, like a valid reason to sell, And, you know, being freaked out about the fact that it's only worth $75,000 right now is not a valid reason. You shouldn't be selling that house. 
You should continue to live in the house because you need somewhere to live, right? And maybe you don't need to sell it right now. Everything's fine. You're good where you are. You can look at reselling the house, you know, five years down the road, 10 years down the road. Maybe the neighborhood's changing. It's in the middle of, you know, a gentrification process. You're, you know, living in Washington Heights and now you see all these hippies and hipsters moving in. So you're just like, fuck it, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to see if in five years this house that I paid $100,000 for, people only want to pay me seventy five. I'm going to say, no, I'm good. I'm going to hold it. I'm going to wait. Five years down the road, the house is worth $150,000. And you're ready to move at that point. So you sell the house, right? So it's the same thing with the stocks. If you don't need to sell them, you don't need to sell them. That's just, that's just it. And let's be honest, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are in in your 20s, 30s, maybe your 40s. You don't need the money that you've invested for a good 20 plus years. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. So leave that shit alone. Because anybody who pulled out of the market during the last recession in 2008 is kicking themselves in the ass. Because all of us that stayed invested, including myself, we made a shit ton of money. And that's going to happen again. So calma. Calmate. Okay. Now, it's important to understand that there is always risk associated with investing in the stock market. There are no guarantees when it comes to, you know, how much money you're going to make and all that. So even though risk might sound negative, there is a bright side to investing in the stock market. And taking on greater risk demands a greater return on your investment. That's why stocks have historically outperformed other investments like bonds or savings accounts. Over the long term, an investment in stocks has historically had a return around 10 to 12%. And there really aren't many other ways to get that level of return on a consistent basis than investing in the stock market. So I really believe that you have way more to lose by not being invested than you ever will by actually investing. And I think the most important thing to do is obviously you have to be diversified. I'm not a big fan of buying individual stocks because it just takes a lot of information and education and practice to become the type of person that can accurately pick stocks, you know, for of an individual company based on their earnings potential and all this stuff. I don't have time for that shit. So I always invest in low-cost index funds through brokerage firms like Vanguard or Fidelity. Why? Because those funds 
are already diversified. So I don't have to worry about picking one stock that I think is going to do well because when I'm investing in, in an index fund, I'm getting hundreds, potentially thousands of different stocks with each purchase. And so that for me makes all the sense in the world because diversification is your best friend when it comes to investing. If you don't know what I mean by diversification, go ahead and listen to my Investing 101 podcast and you can get lots of key terminology that'll help you understand the concepts of investing like diversification and many more. I'm a big fan of total market index funds because just like the name implies, they factor in the total stock market. So there's literally stocks of all different industries, of all different types, all different sizes, market capitalizations that are taken into account. And I don't have to worry about picking a specific sector of the economy, a specific type of business. It's all done for me. I'm a dumb investor. I just want things to be as least complicated as possible because I have a million other things I need to worry about. So if that's your style, definitely look into low-cost index funds. It's the easiest way to make sure that you're diversified with absolutely no effort on your part. So I hope that the information in this podcast has equipped you to understand what exactly is happening so that you understand that the money that you're seeing drop in your investment account is not a real number until you decide to sell. So my advice to anybody who doesn't need their money for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 plus years, leave it alone because just like all things, the market is a cycle. There will be ups, there will be downs, and the last thing you want to do is sell while you're down. So continue to educate yourself on the way the stock market works. I love websites like Investopedia. You know, there are so many resources online to just understand these concepts because at the end of the day, you know, the best tool and weapon you have is education. So guys, I'm wishing you all the best. Please Continue to stay positive, continue to focus on your goals, make a plan, be prepared, share this podcast with people that you love that could benefit from this information. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please make sure to leave a five-star review and absolutely join me on Instagram because we are having a ball, y'all. Like, we're all fucking quarantined, so we're just having a full-on party over there, okay? So please... Come and join us at Yo Quiero Dinero podcast. And until next time, stay informed, stay safe, stay educated, and stay poderosa.
On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.